Tune in to the Echo Box. Okay, hello, and uh, you're listening to Talk That Science here on Echobox Radio. I'm Nicoline, and today I host Talk That Science. We will play some nice tunes and introduce you to the coolest research. And the topic of today will be making pairs with matching. And our guest today is my friend Daniela, a recent graduate from the Logic Master at the University of Amsterdam. Welcome, Daniela. Thank you. Nice. Nice to be here. Yes, very nice that you're here today. So, um, yeah, last year we worked on a project to study matching algorithms for school choice, the school choice problem. And in this uh, problem, which is like a current uh, problem in Amsterdam, um, the question is how to assign kids to schools. Um, and the thing is that uh, some schools are very popular and they don't have enough places for all the students that want to go there. Um, and Therefore, we need some kind of um, way to decide who can go to their first preference school. Um, so this we will discuss today. Uh, and another thing, uh, apart from this project, uh, Daniela worked, um, wrote a thesis on justifying matching algorithms. And the idea with this is to provide um, non-experts with an explanation of why a certain uh, outcome, so an assignment, a, a match, is a good compromise between all the agents' preferences. Um, so also this we will discuss today. Um, but yeah, let's go first to the basics, uh, some introduction. Um, yeah, can you explain, uh, Daniela, what is matching in your view? Yes, sure. So matching, uh, we use this term in general to refer to a problem um, that is uh, that happens when we have two groups. They can be of people or some other kind of objects, and we want to make pairs between the objects or individuals of these groups. And the most important part is that these agents or individuals have preferences over the members of the other group. Uh, so the question is how to best do this while like taking into account these preferences to reach a good compromise between them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so one example is what we just discussed, this school choice problem that would be um, the kids that need to be assigned to schools. Do you have some other examples? Yes, so the classical example is um, a marriage market. Um, where we have a group of uh, men on one side and women on the other side, and then we want to make pairs of them. Um, but there are other more uh, interesting examples in uh, nowadays. Uh, so the schools, uh, we can also match uh, tenants to houses, or even it has been applied to um, organ donation programs. Um, yes, I think cool. there are some examples. And um, I think many people, when they think about matching, they think about dating. Is that also a bit related? Um, yeah, so like in dating apps, you mean? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it is a bit related, but um, these dating apps just use some other kinds of algorithms mm -hmm. and... I think more with AI. Yeah. Um, okay, so um, yeah, matching is uh, what's nice about this field of science is that it can be studied from uh, many different fields in science. Um, which, which kind of sciences are associated with this problem? Yeah, so um, it can be studied from 
um, the point of view of market design, uh, which is like a part of game theory. Um, it can also be studied from the social choice theory perspective, um, from economics and political science as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, if you though, what are the focuses of all these? Well, not all of them, but well, can you explain a bit what the differences are between the science? What would be the their focus points? Yeah, so um, from the game theoretic perspective, for example, in game theory, what um, they study is the strategic behavior of agents. Mm -hmm. So agents, like rational agents that uh, have interactions and then they reason um, in a strategic way to, mm -hmm. to maximize their, their welfare. welfare. Um, and from the social theoretical perspective, um, so we have some normative principles um, that study properties of these algorithms um, in the sense of, yeah, so these properties can be things uh, such as stability or that they are immune to some kinds of manipulations from the agents. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we will, we will get back to that later, what that actually means, stability. Um, yeah, so maybe more a, a general view. Uh, it's nice to link back. So also matching is part of, uh, yeah, so we mentioned it's part of social choice theory, and we actually had a previous podcast about social choice theory, which was the third episode of Talk That Science called Algorithms for Democracy. Um, and um, yeah, what's interesting about social choice theory in general, and we talk about it more often because it's a particular interest of me, but also of you, um, that yeah, it, it shows that um, there are many different kinds of social problems uh, and there are many ways you can solve them uh, and uh, that's it's cool to make that clear and what we talked about in that episode was uh, voting um, so just when you have to decide for example who's going to lead the country um, and we also talked about particip participatory budgeting so that's when um, you have a budget in the neighborhood and you want to divide it uh, like to decide how to spread the money uh, and yeah, matching is like one other of such a problem in social choice theory, where you have those two groups and they need to be matched to each other. So that's some background information. Um, but maybe we can go back a bit in the history of uh, matching theory. It's not super old uh, that it exists as a science. Um, can you uh, introduce us a bit to the history? Yes. So the first time that this problem was formally studied was um, in the 1960s when David Gale and Lloyd Shapley wrote a paper where they proposed um, an algorithm for this um, marriage, uh, stable marriage problem, they called it. Um, and the main question of this paper was um, how would uh, let's say 10 men and 10 women would be matched while respecting, respecting their individual preferences and such that this way of matching them would um, satisfy a principle that is called stability. Um, this concept ensures that after the matching is done, so after the pairs are assigned, then no individuals can perceive any gains by further trading, kind of. This trading is a concept of uh, market theory. Um, yeah, so it, it means that once the matching is done and you have like your partner or say you're matched to a school, uh, you don't want to, or it shouldn't be, um, no one should want to trade, is that what it means? Like go to another school or? Yeah, so in the, con the context, for example, of the pairs of individuals, it means that there is no 
Um, there are no two individuals that perceive that someone else is better than their partner at the same time, so that they would uh, change their pairs like behind the scenes. I see, yeah. Okay, so here, uh, this is actually what was a problem in this school choice problem I introduced in the introduction, right? Um, yes. Okay, well, we can go into that later. Yes. Um, so this was the first uh, formal study. And then later in the 1980s, uh, some other character, Alvin Roth, was studying another problem that is um, related. So in the US and in many other countries, I think, um, students from medicine, after they finish their formal studies, they go into an um, internship to hospitals. They call it, I think they are residents. Um, and there was this program in the U.S. making this or in charge of assigning these residents to different hospitals. And then Roth realized that this was related and the way that they were doing it was uh, really similar to Gell and Shapley's algorithm. So he did some studies on this uh, more practical problem that in the end turned out to be kind of the same problem. Um, and later, um, so for the advances that they made on the field, uh, theoretical but also practical, in 2012, uh, Roth and... Um, don't remember <laughs> who was it? One of Gail and Shapley. Yes, one of them uh, what, won a Nobel Prize, right? Yes. yes. Uh, so Shapley and Roth um, won the Nobel Prize in economics in 2012 for these advances that they had made on the field because it's a field that has a lot of future and applications in real world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think also that uh, was a big breakthrough for the field. Like Since then, everyone realized, like, oh, we can... Uh, by studying this, we can make a lot of advances for the social welfare in the society. Yes, yes, mm -hmm. exactly. Okay, I think maybe we can play a, a first song. Um, let's start with the song Utility. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I chose it because it's, uh, it's a term that's used a lot in this uh, field. Uh, utility is m you always use to express like an uh, individual say happiness like how much is this agent gaining from the from the results so let's play it um.
Okay, so back to um, matching theory. We're going a little bit more into the theory now, um, after the history. So some things that... Um, um, yeah, we already discussed that a lot of fields um, are interested in matching theory. Um, so what kind of uh, aspects can you um, study about matching? Yes, so um, the interesting part of matching is um, the process of doing it. So we can call this uh, processes or mechanism mechanisms um, algorithms um, and then we can study these algorithms from um, a computational point of view so like the complexity uh, this means um, like how complicated they are like how much time do they take Mm -hmm. um, because you could, for example, have a very um, nice algorithm, but it could take, uh, say, a hundred years to to calculate the result. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this means that the problem is uh, hard by itself. Mm -hmm. um, so this is one kind of uh, point of view that where you can uh, look matching from. Um, and there is also the normative side. So you can be interested um, in which kind of principles these mechanisms or algorithms uh, satisfy. So for example, this stability. Mm -hmm. So to have an algorithm that guarantees that the result would be stable is something nice or something that we would desire to have. Yeah, um, but there are other principles as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, for example, um, you wouldn't want that people are able to lie about their preferences so that they can get a better outcome. This is not something that uh, you would want from an algorithm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe, uh, so we talked already uh, a lot about those algorithms. Maybe we can... Uh, explain two um, very common ones um, to kind of get a feeling of what would such an algorithm do and how do they differ, why do some have some, uh, what are disadvantages and of them. So maybe first, uh, I think the simplest one is it's called the naive Boston mechanism. Um, can you kind of go a bit through the steps how such an algorithm would go yeah so i think it is easier if we talk about it in the context of um, concrete example of matching so we can talk about it um, in the context of the school choice problem for example um, so in this case the, the the algorithm goes in rounds um, so every student has um, a list of their most preferred uh, schools to list preferred and then they submit this and in the first round we fill in the spots of the schools with um, so the students apply to their most preferred school and then we fill in the spots according to the capacity of the schools um, if the school uh, has enough space for all the people that applied, then they all get in. And otherwise, uh, some people don't make it according to some lottery or priority list. Um, and then they reject all the rest of applications. And the people that could get into a school, they, are, they already have a spot there fixed um, and for the rest of the rounds uh, people apply to their next most preferred school if they if the school still has places and it goes like that until everyone gets into some school mm -hmm. yeah so um yeah what is kind of like even um, what an algorithm does it has this 
uh, it consists of these steps and um, it does it in this structured way. It's, it applies all the rules to make a matching. Um, what would be, uh, what is an advantage of this algorithm? Yeah, so something nice about this algorithm is that it focuses on maximizing the welfare um, of the students. So this means that it tries to get the most students into their most preferred option. Mm -hmm. So that means uh, you have as many as possible happy people. <laughs> yes, yes. And then it is also nice because it's easy to understand how it works. Mm -hmm. um, and this is also important for such a process, uh, such a large process that people understand how things are computed that, so that they are transparent, for example. Mm -hmm. And would be what are like disadvantages <coughs> of this method? Um, yeah, so in this method, um, people can uh, do some kinds of manipulations. So, for example, if I know that my first option is going to be super full and the second and third, um, I'm not quite sure and they might be full already. So if I know that I will not make it to the first one already, then maybe I can lie and say that I prefer the second one over the first one, so I make it at least to the second one. So this is a kind of, uh, we call it manipulation, but it just means that I don't report my true preferences in order to get a better mm -hmm. outcome. Yeah, and I think this is important, uh, firstly, because you you want from your method that you use that it gives people uh, their the best solution if they are truthful, not when they are lying. That would be weird. Yes, yeah. yes. And this is mainly because um, lying and... Well, it's not about lying, but it, it is weird because it requires some uh, thought and you need to think about the process and you need to think about what other people would do and then it just gets complicated and it might be that you make mistakes or yeah so the process is just not clean mm -hmm. yeah so for example in this uh, school ch choice problem in Amsterdam they <coughs> actually uh, did research on this because they used this algorithm and they found out that about six percent of the people uh, do this uh, show this strategic behavior but then indeed the problem is that uh, they also found that in I think 50% of the cases they make the wrong choice so they actually end up with a worse option uh, compared to when they didn't uh, show strategic behavior and then finally it um, turned out that it was mostly people from poorer neighborhoods who did those mistakes so as a result people from the poorer neighborhoods would end up at schools that were not their preferred option, so it's not fair uh, as a result. Yes. Yeah, okay. So that was um, the, the Boston algorithm. Um, another um, much used algorithm is the, it's called deferred acceptance mechanism. Uh, can you explain what the steps of that algorithm are? Yes, so this one is also famous because it's the one that Gail and Shapley proposed. So um, the one from this uh, 1960 famous paper. Yes, I see. yes, exactly. Um, and this one also works in rounds and it's quite similar. Um, so again, we have every student has their preferences and in each round, so let's start at the first round, um, every student applies to their most preferred school and then the schools, again, take as many students as they can. Um, but the difference is that um, at every round, it's not um, fixed that these students will stay in this school. Um, so it's just like written there, but it, this might change mm -hmm. in later rounds. 
So let's say at the second round, the people that are not yet assigned to one school, they take their next preferred school and they apply there. And then the schools again take all the applications together with the people that are already in and they revise uh, all these candidates and then they again take um, according to some priority list or lottery or something, they take the as many as they can. But then at this round, they can reject some people that were already in. Um, and then it continues like that until everyone is assigned to some school. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what, uh, yeah, what is, what are advantages compared to the previous algorithm? <clears throat> yeah. So um, this one that, um, the disadvantage that the other one had that mm -hmm. is um, susceptible to manipulation, this one is not. Mm -hmm. So there is no way that you can report untruthful preferences uh, to get a better out outcome. So this is already nice. Mm -hmm. But the downside is that this doesn't maximize the welfare. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so in not as many students get in their most preferred school. Yeah, example. because compared to the Boston mechanism, it's not the top priority, so to say, that uh, as many people go to their top choice, this other uh, deferred acceptance mechanism is not um, that only focusing on that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, this one uh, focuses more on spreading the unhappiness in a more fair way, but then the top people aren't. Yeah, then you can have less people in their most preferred. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this also lets you wonder, like, what do you, how do you want to spread happiness? What's important? That, um, like, fewer people are very happy or that... It's more evenly spreads, even though the happiness per person is a bit less. So yeah, these uh, I think it's very interesting how thinking about those um, rather maybe abstract algorithms they have they raise those very important questions. Yes. Yes, exactly. Okay, I think we can go to a next song. We've been talking a lot about agents, so I picked a song called Agency Loop from Megatalk.
Okay, so um, now that we know how these algorithms more or less work, uh, we thought it's nice to discuss um, like an example elaborately. So this one that we already introduced in the introduction, the matching problem for school choice uh, in Amsterdam. So yeah, this was the case. Um, name, uh, in Amsterdam, uh, a court ruled in 2015 that students going to high school aren't allowed to trade places with each other at different schools. Um, the schools that were assigned to them by the current matching mechanism. Uh, and they weren't allowed to trade spots, even though the students prefer to trade with each other. So even though they were at each other's top choice school. Um, so yeah, this raised the question like, why, why, were we, why were they not allowed to do that? Um, yeah, so what happened, so they found this out, uh, that some students were not happy with the, with the result, and then they found each other on some fora on the internet, and they found out like, oh, look, you're at my top choice, I'm at your top choice, let's swap. But the school said, no, it's not allowed. Um, and then the parents went to court, and they were like, well, we want to swap. And the court decided, no, it's not possible, so we will delve into like what happened here and why it's not possible um so yeah firstly why um do does a matching algorithm actually has to be used in the first place um yeah so this is also part of um the study of matching so i think many years ago um not sure if with schools, but in other instances of matching, um, the trading, so the, the process was what we called decentralized. So the, um, it was more like a market where um, the students would go to the schools and try to get a spot and then the schools would, well, maybe not the schools in this case, but um, the other side of the market would also make proposals to the to the students and then um but it would happen in a in an asynchronous way mm -hmm. so not all at the same time and this caused a lot of problems um with uh, so the results were not optimal and there were uh, many problems so looking for a way in which uh, with only one process, we can already compute all the outcomes and where each student goes to which school mm -hmm. um, already made it easier. Mm -hmm. Okay, so before they weren't, initially they weren't using a matching uh, system at all, or maybe at least not a central one. Yeah, well, yeah. not sure in this case uh, mm -hmm. of the schools, but that was the case, for example, with the residents. An hospital, so this is like the importance of uh, matching algorithms. Mm -hmm. um, but the story in Amsterdam is that at the beginning they were using this um, Boston mechanism because it's quite intuitive and it w was also used in Boston. <laughs> this is why it's called like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it was already an example and it worked quite well. Yeah, so this was this algorithm that uh, improved social welfare the most. Yeah, yeah. So if you think about it, it's just the most intuitive way of doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but when this thing with the Nobel Prize happened, um, then the people in charge um, thought, okay, well, but maybe this is not the best way. And this um, people that won the Nobel Prize have a different algorithm, so maybe we want to think about it. And they asked for help to some economists, I think, mm -hmm. and they did some research and they compared um, their results mm -hmm. between um, how would you compute it with the Boston and if you compute it with the deferred acceptance algorithm, and they got some... Uh, results about it. 
Yeah, so one of those results was the one we talked about earlier that about the, that they found that they strategize uh, like in six percent of the cases, and but it goes wrong half of the time, so they end up with a result that makes them less happy, and then um, yeah, and the thing was that it happens mostly to people from poor neighborhoods. That was one thing they found, which for, for which reason they thought, well, maybe this Boston algorithm is not really good to use. Um, so yeah, what, uh, then they started using uh, this other deferred acceptance algorithm, right? Yeah, so yeah. based on this um, results, they decided to change to the deferred uh, acceptance algorithm, but then this yielded another kinds of, other kinds of problems. And this is when uh, people started to, yeah. So in some of the cases, it happened that with the result, people would want to trade. Mm -hmm. So you would be uh, assigned to my most preferred school and I would be assigned to your most preferred school. So we would want to change places. Mm -hmm. And this is... Um then we would call the the the, the the result not stable, right? This is exactly that. Or is um, it a bit different? Yeah, I think it is a bit different. Ah. Okay, okay, it felt related. <laughs> okay, but um, yeah, so then these people found each other, um, may maybe because we saw that this deferred acceptance algorithm, um, it's not the main goal to put people uh, in their top choice. So therefore, as a result, there were many people that were not in their top choice and they tried to make their situation better by trading with each other. Um, so as I said, they went to court then, but the, the judge decided, no, you cannot switch. Um, what, were, what were the reasons that they couldn't switch? Yeah, so this comes to fairness. Um, so if they would let them switch, then the process would not be strategy proof in the end, because then I could think, okay, I can put in first place a school that I think I would get in and that it's a popular school in order to trade it later mm -hmm. with someone. Um, so this is already violating this strategy proof uh, principle that is the reason that they changed mechanisms in the first place mm -hmm. um, and then there is another reason that so every time that there is a pair of students that are in this situation there can be another a third one that is in a different school that would have more priority that one of these and would also want to get in mm -hmm. um, into one of these schools, but they don't have the chance because they don't happen to have someone that wants to trade with them. Um, so this makes it unfair for third parties that are, that are not in this uh, lucky situation. I see. Yeah, so the problem is kind of that they... Um people that would switch after the process happened, they would kind of have extra chances to get at a nice spot that's awesome, that makes it unfair to people that don't have that opportunity. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and it is kind of weird because intuitively, like, why would you not let people switch with each other uh, if that would make them both happier and you would think, oh, and no one be is being bothered by that. But then when you think it through, it turns out, well, it does actually have some disadvantages. And yeah, it kind of shows that um, this uh, making people happy and fairness, they are kind of in a conflict here. And you have to, there's no optimal solution or nothing is telling us like, oh, this is the best to do. But yeah, it has, it has to we have to decide what we find the most important here. Yes, exactly. So this is something that 
happens very often in this like normative study that nice principles or properties that are desired can be in conflict with each other mm -hmm. and there are many results in this respect um, but then I think as this example shows it is important that the people are the ones that decide what is important for them and based on that and knowing that some mechanisms have some properties and some others have some other properties then decide which one to use mm -hmm. to use uh, based on what is more important for them yes yeah i think it's beautiful how different aspects here come together so like the algorithm designer say it's an economist or maybe computer scientist or uh, um, mathematicians like they it's their task to make this very clear uh, like what are the advantages disadvantages uh, or just simply the properties of the um, algorithms we use and then ultimately it's up to the people to to show to decide what they find important because you cannot have what the what the sign shows is that you cannot have all the desirable normative properties that you want so but at least you can make a very well thought through decision using science yeah so okay i think um, we can go to uh, uh, another song um, this one is i had a choice um, I think it's very relevant because we're talking here about uh, social choice theory. So here it is.
Okay. Um, so we're back with the last part. I think one thing I had to add, I didn't say it yet, that a lot of this information uh, um, is very well written in an article by Ronald Dehaan. I will put it in the description later. So if you want to know more about it, I can highly recommend to read it. Um, so yeah, then to the last part um, of, of this episode um, is about your thesis, Daniela, um, because it's very... Um, it very much relates to what we just discussed, where we had those uh, parents and children that kind of um, didn't understand or they simply disagreed, that's also possible, with this matching uh, outcome. But I do think it's also partly because people are maybe not well informed about why the algorithm changed. So in that was exactly the, the, the aim of your thesis was to... Um, design a, a, a way that could automatically explain why certain uh, pairs in a matching were made, like why they would uh, to it was yeah to to satisfy certain normative properties, right? Can you um, can you de develop that a bit? <laughs> like how did it work? Yes, sure. So we already talked about how. Uh, some principles principles are in conflict with each other, and how um, you yeah so you cannot have everything and so you have to think and prioritize and choose what is important for you um, and then using some mechanisms. Uh, give you some things and using some others uh, gives you some other things. So what my so the question of my thesis was uh, once we get a result, so in this case um, a pairing or more like a partial result. So once you are told you are paired with this um, other individual or in the case of the schools, for example, once you are assigned to a school, is there a way um, that I can also offer you an explanation um, based on some results? So, yeah, this would look like... So I would tell you, okay, you are paired to this um, school, but this is the only... Um, possible outcome for you if you value this and these things and if you on the other hand prefer this and these principles then the only outcome that you can get is to be paired to this other school um, I see so for example uh, relating back to what we said like if you find fairness very important then you would be matched to this um, but if you find say um welfare so happiness very important you would you could be matched to this and maybe also there would sometimes more uh, options yeah yeah so there could be more options but the idea is um, to offer an explanation um, in basic terms um, so not because yeah so there is a lot of theory behind uh, these results and we cannot really go to the parents, for example, and they'll like try to explain them all the reasons and all the science and theory behind mm -hmm. this. But then the goal is to offer an explanation that um, that is logical and that they can follow and understand, and yeah, that they can also. Well, maybe not in the case of the schools because the outcome has to be consistent. It cannot be that some people value some things and some people value other things and then they just get mm -hmm. different outcomes. But um, if there is a consensus between like all the parents, like, okay, we value this, then the outcome would be this and then we would be able to explain yeah. that. So that's maybe first they should uh, we should decide on what do we find the most important, and once we did that, we can use uh, 
we settle on an algorithm and use this idea of justifying the outcome to explain exactly why this matching can be made or not. Yes. Yeah. That's so cool. Very cool. I think it's very interesting how it brings like the theory to um, to the outside world and makes it very understandable for everyone. And this is um, a more kind of new uh, thing within social choice theory, right? To to justify outcomes. Yes, exactly. So the um, um, it's like a new perspective, so to say, um, and it has been done also for voting theory. So to explain the outcome of an election, for example. Mm-hmm. Cool, very cool. Um, well, I think um, this brings us a bit to the to the end of this uh, episode. Um, yeah, I think it's very uh, interesting how we discuss all those examples um, that kind of show um, that there is no single best matching system. They all have advantages, disadvantages, and we have to find a way to uh, to in a good way divide all the spots we have when it comes either to schools or to organs or um, what else did we discuss? Hospitals. <laughs> Hospitals, yeah. yes. And um, yeah, what um, what's, what's your uh, takeaway message? <laughs> Do you have one? Yeah, I think that um, that in general in when people have to come to an agreement or to a decision sometimes there is an intuitive way of doing it and we just go for it and we don't really think okay are there other ways to do it and what are the implications of doing it this way or the other way Um, but I think it's really nice to think about these things and then to make these decisions or come to these agreements in a more informed or more thoughtful way. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think this is very, um, this is really what I like about social choice theory, that it shows that into that although we do some things in a way, it might not be the best way and we can really think about what is the best way for our society to solve certain Problems, or they not, do not necessarily have to be problems, but just processes of living together. Yes. Yeah, so, um, thank you so much, Daniela, for uh, for being here and uh, explaining everything. Yeah. Thank you for this nice conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next week we will be back, uh, or not next week, next month we will be back uh, with an episode again, uh, something very uh, uh, ethical. It will be about effective altruism. Uh, And in the future, we also have planned more episodes on uh, uh, social choice uh, theory related topics. So uh, if you're interested, stay tuned. Uh, And I will end with um, a kind of social choice anthem. (laughs) It's called I Want to Win. Here it is. See you next week and thanks for next month. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Um.